I've been thinking a lot about the first person plural pronoun we, as in this is not who we are. People are beginning to push back by responding with this is who we are. Um, I've said it myself in the past. This is precisely who we are. In his remarks following the massacre of 19 children and two adults in Texas, uh, President Biden said, why are we willing to live with this carnage? Why do we keep letting this happen? Where in God's name is our backbone? Fred Gutenberg said this was predictable and preventable, and the next one is predictable. And then channeling our collective rage, he said, we are fucking failing our children. I've got to be honest, uh, this is beginning to feel almost ritualistic. The worst horror is inflicted and we're shocked and devastated and enveloped by a wordless rage, but it all seems to be for nothing. Uh, the shock and horror and rage lead to nothing except the next inevitable horror that, yes, should be, in a sane country, preventable. But is it really we who are responsible? Are we willing to live with this carnage? We know that most of us are not. Most of us would go to great lengths to make sure this never happens again. Most of us would happily trade every last Republican who's willing to sacrifice our children on the altar of their grotesque ambitions for even one of those lives. Is this what America is? Emphatically, yes. This is where American exceptionalism has led us. This is what happens when you think you're so great, you don't need to make any effort to be good. This is the inevitable result of failing to fix the structural deficiencies built into the Constitution. This is what happens when we fail to recognize that the American system is really apartheid masquerading as democracy. While governors of red states refuse to allow teachers to teach an accurate version of American history because, they say, doing so might offend the sensibilities of white children, they choose to put all of our children in unfathomably dangerous situations that, as Fred Gutenberg pointed out, are entirely preventable. But they seem determined to place our children in even greater danger. As a way of dealing with the mass slaughters, they're happy to oversee the governor and attorney general of Texas want to arm teachers. They will not be the last white men in power to present this as a serious measure. Imagine, though, for a second, what kind of insecure, macho vigilantes are going to apply for that job. Imagine the lessons they will teach our children. In addition to the lesson, they are already being taught that they are expendable, that their mental health, their well-being, and their lives really don't matter after all. But let's stop saying we and us, okay? It's them. It's these power-hungry murderers who care no more about our actual living, beautiful, wondrous children than they do about the goddamn clump of cells they pretend to revere. And it is we, those of us who value life, who would do anything to keep our children safe and create a world in which they can thrive and even survive until adulthood, who need to hang these murders around the Republicans' necks and let the blood of our children, who are dead as a direct result of their willful inaction, stain them forever. If you want to get a healthy and delicious breakfast that you deserve with a cereal that's perfect for any time of day, I want to tell you about Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in every serving, and only 140 calories. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. The variety pack is truly awesome. It's got four delicious flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. You can combine them. Uh, you can make your own uh, perfect bowl of cereal. And it really will bring you back to the cereals that you used to eat as a kid, but can't anymore because they're so bad for you. Magic Spoon, on the other hand, cuts down on carbs, ups your protein. It's one of the best things you can do for your eating habits. And that's why you should try Magic Spoon. It's the perfect food for any time of day. It's great for the whole family. Just go to magicspoon.com slash Mary to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code Mary at checkout 
to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Mary and use the code Mary to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. You can also find the link to Magic Spoon in our show notes. It is such a thrill uh, for me to have as my guest tonight the renowned author of several international bestsellers, most recently City on Fire, which is also a New York Times bestseller, uh, and which thankfully is the first uh, in a trilogy, but also creator of masterful viral political videos, which to date have had over 250 million views. Don Winslow, thank you so, so much for being here with me today. Thank you so, so much for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you so, so much uh, for all the support. I really appreciate it. It's meant a lot. Well, you've been doing some of the best uh, work out there in terms of helping people understand what we're facing, in terms of uh, helping people personalize the threats we're facing. Um, and you also, you know, a lot of times you use humor, which is incredibly important. And one of the many things I wanted to talk to you about today was your recent announcement that you're retiring from writing to focus full time, basically on saving our democracy, um, which I, I can't think of a more noble, necessary cause. But how? How did you get to that uh, how, to that point where you felt that it was just all hands on deck time? It's been an evolution, you know. Um, I've been doing these tweets, and and Shane Salerno and I've been doing these videos now for I think about you know five years. I think you can figure out the math of that. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, it, they've had good effect, you know. Uh, I think yeah. I think we've achieved some things, and, and I'm proud of. We've had 250 million views of those videos, and which just shocks me, amazes me, you know. And listen, I I kind of thought after the 2020 election that it was over, you know. Uh, I'm not really a political person, to tell you the truth. I'm I'm a storyteller. That that's what I do, you know. But we're not out of the woods. Uh, I think the events of January 6th you know, among a lot of other things, but particularly that showed us that we're nowhere near out of the woods. Uh, the lack of real response to it, you know, the lack of consequences. Uh, and so uh, I feel that we're at a sort of existential moment in American democracy and, and have been for the past five years, but that that's going to continue. And I thought that this is the time, you know, I've, I've written this trilogy, I've finished it, it's, it's sort of the work of my lifetime. And now is the time to devote, you know, whatever talents I have, whatever platform I have to this fight. Well, I think you share with a lot of people uh, the idea that Biden won. It's not going to get better overnight, but of course it's going to get better. And what I think has been unnerving for a lot of people is that it's actually worse now than it's ever been. And um, I think that does force people to reevaluate their relationship with democracy, actually. And in that regard, I think we're all political. If it's okay, I'd like to read a little bit from your statement um, and then yeah, sure. uh, pick yeah. up you, you write, yeah, yeah. Uh, Trumpism is a cancer and a more dangerous form of it will emerge after the November midterms. Then you say Democrats have better ideas, better candidates, and a better vision for tomorrow. What they don't have is better messaging. And I'm going to try to change that. And the other thing you say, which is so incredibly important, is that investigations aren't consequences. So let's start with messaging. As you say, mm -hmm. you are a storyteller, you're a master storyteller. And, you know, anybody who's read your books can see that anybody who's watched your videos can see that. Why is it you think either that elected Democrats, Democratic leadership 
can't figure out how to get out of their own way and craft a compelling narrative considering we have everything good on our side or find other people who can do it for them? Well, look, I, I, I think we do have a great message and we need not to be shy about getting it out. I think for one thing, we've ceded far too much territory. Uh, we've ceded the definition of patriotism. You know, if, if, if you see that pickup truck come by, you know, with the flag waving out the back, you know who that is. It's not Democrats. But that's my flag, too. That's your flag, too. That's also the flag of a Central American immigrant who's been here for three weeks. That's her flag, too. So I think we part of that messaging needs to be that we own patriotism as well on our side. We, we have those values, you know, we I'm, I'm sorry, you. Did I interrupt you? No, I just, I, I literally just had a similar conversation with somebody uh, the other day about taking back certain words, taking back certain concepts and patriotism, of course, is the top of the list. And what's really fascinating is how uncomfortable that makes some of us on the left because of what Republicans have done. Right, but we, but we, need, but we the can't flag. be uncomfortable. Right, but right. we can't be uncomfortable anymore. Let's remember the other flag they waved in the attack on the Capitol yeah. that had the the image of a wannabe dictator emblazoned on our flag. And I know that's a bit close to the bone to you. I don't I don't want to be offensive, but you know that's not patriotism. That's the opposite of it. And so uh, again, I, I think sometimes we're too soft. We're, we're too reticent. We, we want to be too polite. You know, we want the KPBS, you know, license plate frame around us uh, on the Prius. And we need to be tougher. We need to be stronger, than, you know, than, we, than we've been. The, the other thing that we've seeded, I think, is the idea of morality. Sexual morality, all kinds of morality. We we have surrendered the definition of that to the right wing and to the fundamentalists. We we've allowed a man, and again, I, I apologize. Who can I just just about- really quickly? Because Don, you have nothing to apologize for. Uh, in fact, um, I know in exactly who's responsible. Well, one of the most responsible people for where we are right now, the fact that he's related to me is irrelevant. And uh, I think you and I are very much on the same page. We get nowhere if we pull punches. So Fair please enough. feel free to Fair say enough. whatever so let, you need to say here. Let me swing. We, we've, we've ceded morality to a man who made, you know, who, who is 26 or 27 credible accusations of sexual assault, who's bragged about sexually accosting women, who's paid off porn stars in terms of hush money. And and we saw why the Christian right supported him and stayed with him recently, you know, with the Supreme yeah. Court and Roe versus Wade. But we, we can no longer afford to cede both patriotism and morality to the right when, when we see them doing unpatriotic and immoral things. And I, I think that the messaging issue is kind of twofold, if, if I may. One, we need to be more positive about what we do right and what's good and get out there and say it and say it and say it and get that message out. Lowest unemployment in the last half century, for instance, would be a message that we need to get out. But also, I can tell you as a student of military history, which my graduate degrees in, that the best defense is a counterattack. And so that's the second part of messaging, you know, is that when these scurrilous lies and these accusations come in, as they did with, with State Senator McMorrow, for instance, uh, we need not only to defend, we need to counterattack. And, and we need to yeah. do it with short, sharp punches. Yeah. Don, there's so much there. Um, because we've seen over time, I you could argue from the... Uh, time Donald was running to be the candidate uh, for the Republican nomination in 2016, where um, anything he did, any line he crossed um, was shrugged off uh, or normalized, especially as he got closer to the nomination and certainly after he got the nomination. So we we can could have foreseen that it, since he got away with the um, Access Hollywood tape mm-hmm. that nothing else 
uh, was going to stick. In yeah. fact, I think his approval ratings on the right went up. Um, oh. So there's that problem, which, and I think what we see happening now, as you alluded to, with Roe v. Wade and these horrific state laws, which I'd like to talk about a little later, just shows the, the depths of the misogyny in this country. And then there's the left, people, a lot of people on the left who seem incapable of, of fighting back. And it's sort of like, well, you know, they're calling us pedophiles, but we don't, we don't want to go there. So we're just going to let yeah. it slide. Yeah. How do we convince them uh, that they need to be more like Mallory McMorrow if they're in office? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I think there's a growing appetite out there to do that, but it, it's going to require, frankly, people like me and, and other people who are willing to go into the alley. You know, um, I think I put a tweet out a while ago that said, when they go low, I'll be there waiting. With, with all yes. due respect for the people whom I love, who said, when they go low, we'll go high. We're not in that world anymore. We are not in that world anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're in a world where the lowest leverage wins. And, you yeah. know, uh, we, we, we have to stop bringing spoons to a knife fight. It's funny other- because I, I never thought we go high meant, you know, roll over and die. I thought it right. meant just don't be like them. Don't cheat. Yeah, don't exactly. steal. Don't be, exactly. don't be racist and misogynistic. But get your brass knuckles you know, get your black belt in Taekwondo, whatever yeah. it is, yeah, yeah. and fight back 10 times as hard because what here, we're here. fighting for is actually the good stuff, right? No, that's right. That's right. Which is, again, why we can't seed morality and patriotism. Look, these people are bullies. You know this better than anybody. They are classic schoolyard bullies. Very, very, very tough until someone punches them in the nose. And then what do they do? They always go running to teacher sobbing. Oh, the media's been mean to me. Don Winslow said something nasty about me. Boo hoo 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 hoo. Good. Good. We need to punch him in the nose again and again and again. And what we ought to be doing, you know, is punching him in the nose on national television with the January 6th committee. Why, Mary? And I'm sorry, I'm going to go on a rant. You should stop No, me. please. I, in fact, that's where I wanted you to go. Why, so please why, rant away. Why are we issuing invitations? Invitations? What, what, what is this? Your cousin's eighth grade graduation ceremony? Your grandmother's 90th birthday? Invitations? Why aren't we issuing subpoenas? Why aren't we subpoenaing, if that's a verb, these people? Make them go in front of the committee under penalty of perjury. And then if they want to take the fifth on television in front of the nation, let's all watch them do it. And that would change some minds. You know, I rem- I'm old enough huh, to remember Watergate, right? Yep. Uh, you know, I was very young, but I'm old enough to remember Watergate. That changed minds. That country was Nixon's country when those Watergate hearings started. And that yep. compared to this, compared to January 6th, was a misdemeanor compared to felony murder. That's they right. tried they tried nothing less than to overthrow the democratically elected government of the United States. They tried nothing less than to stage a coup. So, and we're issuing invitations. I, I put out a list today of 25, 26 people who were not going to see testify. I yeah, e. I saw that. All the major players. Somebody said to me last night, well, you know, they've been prosecuting the Proud Boys and is that great. Uh, so we're going to get the foot soldiers, right? Yeah. I have a question about that, though. And I don't get me wrong. I agree with you. I don't understand why there aren't hearings every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand why there aren't subpoenas. I don't understand why these things aren't um, – are advertised more broadly. For example, a few months ago, I, I, th- I asked on Twitter, why isn't there a committee to investigate what happened with COVID? Because, you know, yeah, I think right? Donald's a mass murderer. And yeah. somebody responded, oh, there is. <laughs> like, I didn't <laughs> yeah. know. And I'm pretty up to date on what's really, happening. Yeah, yeah, in the world. you're pretty in the swing. Uh, so if I, Republicans got back into power, there would be 
they would bring back Benghazi, for God's sake. Listen, how so many what, hours did Hillary deal? Clinton have to sit there testifying about Benghazi? Eleven. Eleven hours. Without complaint. Hours. Who who have we seen testify for a minute? We've had we've had courtesy meetings. Mm-hmm. What's a courtesy meeting? What is that? I don't even know what that is. I think it's when somebody lies to you without penalty of perjury. Yeah, exactly. We have a courtesy meeting. You can tell me whatever you want to tell me. And and by the way, we're not going to publicize it. You know, right. and you're so, absolutely right. If if the Republicans come back in power in the midterms, that's what you're going to see. Benghazi back, Hunter Biden. You're going to, you know, you're going to see an impeachment right. movement against President Biden. And Vice President Harris, and they'll get rid of the filibuster 30 seconds after the votes have been counted. Yep. Or not counted because they may not, not need to count the votes. Because what do votes matter anymore? So you um, on Twitter are incredibly hard mm-hmm. on Democrats, understandably. And, you know, I've sort of taken this position that in terms of policy, not a, not totally across the board, but generally speaking, in terms of policy, I'm not criticizing because imagine how bad things would be if, uh, you know, Biden had lost. It, mm-hmm. We would be, it, it would just be unimaginable, actually. Yeah. So when it comes to strategy, however, mm-hmm. I think we really, really do need to take them to task because the media are biased uh, against democracy, which is something I never thought would be true or that I would have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Democrats, I don't know, they they continue to fail to recognize that their colleagues are fascists now and yeah. can't be dealt with in a polite manner. Right. So do you think that the January, and I know this is speculation, but I, I, like you, I've been racking my brain trying to figure out what is going on here. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they're they're just banking on the fact that these televised hearings will be so compelling that it doesn't really matter if the big players testify because they have the goods on them? Well, if they're banking on that, it's a bad investment. You know, it, it, it's um, to steal a line from a film. It's it's like. It's like staging Hamlet without Hamlet. You know, what's the point? I guess you get Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, but, you know, I don't think that these hearings will be compelling unless we see the major culprits, you know, testify. In in Watergate, we saw John Mitchell testify, you know, And, and by the way, he went to prison because of his perjury. You know, but again, without without bringing those people on, and I know I'm repeating myself, but it bears repeating, sorry, without bringing those people on and making them testify under oath and then let them perjure themselves and then let there be consequences for perjury or let them come out and tell the truth and let the country see what went on and who was involved or let them take the fifth. Now, everybody has a constitutional right not to incriminate themselves. I'm not arguing against that, but let the country see people say, no, I'm not going to answer that because it might tend to incriminate me. No, I'm not going to answer that because it might tend to incriminate me and let people draw their own conclusions. And because this is not a criminal issue at the moment, it's a civil issue and it's dealt with in the Senate, not, you know, saying that I can't remember the term, but when people plead the fifth, so they don't incriminate themselves, that can be, construed as an admission in some ways. It could be yes. held against yes. them. Yes, but and perjury this, would be a criminal matter in testimony to the Senate. Right, but <laughs> I think we would need Merrick Garland for that. So one thing that Donald, and I don't like giving him credit for much because, you know, I think his enablers uh, have have created this situation mm-hmm. to a much greater degree than he has. However, um, he's taught them a bunch of things. You mentioned it earlier, you know, the grievance. Mm-hmm. Um, the lying with impunity. Uh, but the other thing he's he's become expert at over decades now is running out the clock. Right. So we've saw we've seen with Steve Bannon and Mark Meadows that they didn't show up. It right. seems there's no mechanism to force somebody to. And this is months and months and months ago, and there has been no action by right. the DOJ. 
because in it terms took of Mark six, Meadows. It, how it took six months to form that committee. Six yeah. months after the the John Kennedy assassination, it took a week. After Pearl Harbor, it took a few weeks. They gave them a six month grace period on that clock that's running out. And now it's been, what, 16 months, maybe a little bit more, still no subpoenas, still no testimony. So, of course, the clock's going to run out. And, Don, one of the things that we're learning now is that at least for a few days after January 6th, Republican leadership was deeply concerned about holding Donald accountable. They were talking about the 25th Amendment. That would have been the time to strike uh, when there was some consensus. And it seems that the fact that the country didn't grind to a halt Mm -hmm. after that, Mm -hmm. um, the fact that so much has, that that Donald has been impeached twice and is still the leader of the Republican Party and is Mm -hmm. still allegedly, you know, if he runs, going to get the Republican nomination, I think it points to the fact that our institutions are, if not damaged beyond repair, (laughs) then in need of serious overhaul. So we're fighting with another hand tied behind our back because our institutions aren't working either. Yeah, they don't seem to be, but we need to invigorate them. Look, I, I think that there needs to be great, great pressure from the bottom up. You know, which which is why we need to get that message out, which is is why we need to get people fired up, get people angry, use tough language, use harsh language, frankly, to say, are you asleep? Wake up. What's it going to take? How close did we come on that day to losing our democracy? What would have happened if that one guard hadn't led those people up those stairs? What might have happened? What would have happened? If Nancy Pelosi no. had been in her office, right. what or if would have gotten happened? To Mike Pence. What, that was my next statement. What would have happened mm-hmm. if they'd gotten to Mike Pence? What would have happened if Mike Pence had gotten in the car that Donald offered him? And so yeah. that's why this story needs to get out. It needs to be on national television. It needs to have people clicking on it every day, like they would some celebrity trial, you know. But listen, I think I think the country's tired. I understand yeah. that. I think after the the chaos of the Trump administration, which was, you know, just different chaos every day, after COVID, um, which, you know, was incredibly anxious and, and a lot of people still grieving, you know, and exhausted. I think the country is mentally and emotionally worn out. Uh, and so January 6th happened and then we all kind of went, oh, you know, here's more COVID. Uh, we're all locked up in our little rooms. Uh, and, and that time period, that very critical time period that you alluded to, you know, slipped. But we can't be so tired. We can't be so mentally and emotionally fatigued that we're going to let our democracy be taken over by a bunch of thugs. And, and I completely agree with you, fascists. You know, years ago, before the 2016 election, I was saying these people are fascist and people called me an alarmist and a fantasist and a radical, you know, I, I was not happy to be proven right, by the way. And I'd love to be proven no, wrong about the January 6th committee and, and the DOJ. I, I, you know, would love to be wrong, but I, I haven't seen any evidence so far that would tell me that I'm wrong. Yeah. I think you're one of the people on Twitter who's been saying, you know, uh, the alarmists weren't really alarmists, were they? Because we were right about all of this shit that we saw coming down the pipe. Yeah. And it it's, as you said, as, as then, now, the hits just keep on coming. We're mm-hmm. still dealing with COVID, now with Roe v. Wade. And uh, it seems every day a more horrifying anti-human uh, statute is being enacted in another red state. Um, so... It is difficult to yeah. hang on to the thread. And one of the reasons I think your approach is so valuable is because it is going to take an overarching narrative to help people hang on 
to why they're fighting because the media won't do it. It took the media three years to call Donald a liar right. and something like 40,000 lies. It, yep. I don't know that they ever openly called him a racist, even though he's been one since he was a child. And they're never going to use the word fascist. And it says a lot about where we are right now and how confused people probably are when inflation gets more more play in the news than right. the fact that the wife of a sitting Supreme Court justice is right. a traitor to this country. Yeah, I'm glad you used the word traitor because that was my next point. We talk about liar, we talk about racist. Absolutely true, absolutely important. Here's another word that we should be using, and not only in relationship to, to Donald Trump, but in relationship to Josh Hawley, Rudy Giuliani, Ted Cruz, et al, et al, et al, traitor, traitor. Those people are traitors. And how much investigation do you need, Mary? You know, it, it's axiomatic in trials that you need motive, means, and opportunity. That's not true. If you have a video of somebody robbing a bank and you can identify that person on that video, you don't need motive. You don't need to ask, why did he rob the bank? You have him on video robbing the bank. You automatically have means and opportunity. So what do we have? We have an hour's worth of tape of Donald Trump trying to suborn votes in Georgia. What's the state of Georgia doing about that? I really want to see, right? I think the uh, grand jury is going to be impaneled sometime. Sometime. Okay, sometime. Uh, We have video of Donald Trump et al., uh, Latin and others, you know, urging a violent mob to march to storm the Capitol to, you know, to overturn the election. He even said, I'll walk with you. Of course, he didn't. Uh, maybe it was bone spurs. I, I don't know. what. There was no golf court of it. That, that particular hike, you know, uh, what more do you need? What more do you need? How, you know, listen, I'm all in favor of investigating it top to bottom, but we all mm-hmm. saw it. We all heard it. That's one of the things that's so demoralizing. I, I get it. You know, you go you go for the king, you best not miss. Okay, fine. But we all know, just as we all know that 70% of the people in this country support Roe v. Wade in some form or another. Right. 70%. This is a this country is a liberal democracy, at least in terms of what the people want. Sure. But it's certainly not being governed that way because of the um the Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Please. No, no, not at all. I just, I'm just going to say uh, because of the the tyranny of the minority, the fact that this is not a democracy, the Senate is not a democracy, and the Supreme Court is openly anti-democratic at this point. It is. Look, if if we all vote and all the votes get counted, we win. It's a liberal democracy. And listen, we should never lose lose um, track of the fact that we did win in the last election by seven million votes. You know, I'm on the road right now. I'm on tour right now. I see groups of people every night Um, and a lot of them talk about their despair and their anxiety. And I say, I agree with it. I understand these are tough times. We need to fight. We need to buckle down. But let's not lose track of the fact that we won. Someone said to me the other night, how much worse could it be? And I said, well, if Donald Trump were president, we'd see how much worse it could be. It, it would be That's right. a lot worse than it is now. I'm not being Pollyanna. You know my feelings about this. You, you know what I think about what should be done or what needs to be done and, and how fearful it is. But let's not lose track of the fact that if we all vote and those votes get counted, we win. Well, d- despair is a luxury we do not have for sure. And we do need to help people. You know what's weird? It always feels like when the Republicans are in the majority, they get everything they want. And mm-hmm. when the Republicans are in the minority, they get everything they want. Yeah. The Democrats never, ever uh, are able to put their stamp on things. They're never able to get their agenda passed in the way they want. I know the margins are small, Mm -hmm. but it always feels like despite those polls showing 70% in, uh, in 
want gun safety regulations, uh, choice, et cetera, et cetera. It always feels like we're in a 50-50 country, which can't possibly be true. And yet I, I think that is how a lot of people are feeling. And they are a little bit despairing because in order for us to win, we have to outvote them by enormous numbers, yeah. which explains, I'm guessing, why they're so desperate to put in place extreme gerrymanders and right. enact and, voter and suppression. They, and they have been putting it in place. And, and that's another yep. reason that democracy is in danger, you know, but we need to we need to enliven Democrats. We need to to make Democrats furious about what's going on. You know, but I see more and more of it out there. I have to tell you, I do, you know. Um, yeah, and honestly, um, we have so much to be righteously angry about. You know, this is not, um, we're not making anything up. You know, our rights are at stake, our country is at stake. And the Republicans who lie about everything, who have nothing to offer, really do seem to own the narrative. Like their their uh, voter fraud lie mm -hmm. is really compelling to people to the to the point that they're starting to engage in voter subversion, which right. is basically uh, not accepting the results of election if a Democrat right. wins. And yeah. even more dangerous, um, convincing Americans that the elections aren't legitimate at all. So how do we counter that? Well, that's a you, huge piece. Listen, I mean, the, the thing in fascists have always been great at it, right? Um, yeah. Is they tell the big lie over and over and over and over again. And they tell it in simple, plain language. We need to do the same with the truth. We need to tell it in simple, plain language over and over and over again. We need to do it on social media. Right. And, and not just, you know, on Sunday morning, uh, you know, political talk shows um, and, and say it over and over and over again. And then we also need to use plain language about what the other side says. Not, well, I see it a little differently or that's not exactly accurate or another way of looking at it is we need to say that's a lie. We need to say you're a liar. Yeah, I have another episode uh, on Tuesdays called the Strategy Sessions, and I have a, a panel. And you know, maybe one day when you're when you're done with this crazy book tour you're on, like you're all over the place, you'll join us. And one at the very end, my charge to my guests is come up with a bumper sticker, mm -hmm. come up with a message that can fit on a bumper sticker, because that's what they do incredibly well. They co-opt our language for God's yeah, sakes. You know, true. they they're calling. <laughs> the the leak of Alito's horrific opinion, an insurrection. They yeah. say, my body, my choice, when they're asked to wear a mask or get a vaccine. Right. So, but the difference, I think, right. is when that- When children are mowed down at Sandy Hook, we do nothing about that. <sighs> Those lives apparently aren't, aren't sacred. You and know? that's the thing. <laughs> they, they have their side, their, you know, the Republican leaders, so-called- yeah use fear. And it's very compelling. And I think fear actually, at the stage we're in right now, you know, the end stage of democracy, I think fear is more compelling than hope for a lot of people. Yeah, so sure. we need, right? So how about rage? Yeah. How about sustained anger? I think yes. what, one thing that Democrats are not very good at is sustained anger, sustained rage. We get mad for an hour or two, right? And, and then we let it go. Um, the Republicans get mad for 50 years. Right. Right. That's right. So we need that sustained rage. And, and January 6th would be a perfect thing to have sustained, sustained rage about the, the treatment of women in this country, because so much of these efforts is all about making women suffer, frankly is you mentioned the misogyny earlier of it would be a good place for sustained rage. I listen, I'm, I'm still furious about January 6th. I watched those events, yep. my blood boiling, right? I'm still mad about it, still angry about it. And not to hold myself up as an example, but we need more of that. 
You know, we, we do get angry and stay angry. And then people say, well, aren't you contributing to the polarization of America? Well, look, right and wrong are polar opposites. That's right. Democracy and right. dictatorship are polar opposites. Exactly. Yeah. You, you know, when people talk about polarization and is, isn't that a bad thing? I'm like, I'm not making common cause with fascists because that is to cede the ground of democracy to them. And we cannot do that. Um, but we do need to figure out um, a way to help people sustain their anger without becoming demoralized. And and I, I've said this many times. I th One of the disadvantages we've been at is that the media have treated the Biden administration as a normal administration that followed another normal right. administration Not. when nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be so, further from the truth. Right? I mean, look so at the So it feels like we need to re recalibrate that as well. Right. The inauguration was a fortified event because of what had occurred, you know, a couple of weeks previously, right? President Biden is a fundamentally decent man fundamentally decent person followed a fundamentally indecent person right yes and so you know we we have to take that into account what what the situation was when they came into office we absolutely do i, I think in terms of sustained anger being demoralizing sure it can be that you know it can be enervating right you can just get exhausted uh, yeah. but you can also become energized you know it's not an either or it's not a binary choice, you know. Um, I've been telling people, yeah. you know, on, on these events, you know, sure, feel bad for an hour or two. Feel anxious, you know, feel exhausted for a couple of hours and, and then get up and do the next necessary thing. And, and what are those necessary things? Well, if you have the resources, it's, it's donating to the candidates that you support. Uh, if you don't, you know, it's it's getting out there and voting. Maybe it's driving someone to the polls. It's getting on social media and expressing your opinion loudly and without embarrassment, without apology. You know, um, there, there are a lot of next necessary things. And so sometimes, you know, life is a matter of putting one foot in front of the other. You know, to not want to do yeah. it, do it anyway. And, and yeah, I think we do have to, you know, right. We need to look at this as, as a, a relay race, mm -hmm. you know, it's definitely not a sprint, although we are running out of time. Um, and it's not a marathon because it's not us alone. We, and sometimes we need to hand off the baton. So as you said, we can sort of regroup. Um, but that way there's always somebody on the field. Right. Exactly. And, Right. And, and yeah. I, th we need to look at this as a, as a team effort. And I think that's why people respond so strongly and positively to your videos, because it makes them feel part of something, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're drawing people in to, um, an explanation of things that nobody else is providing or very few people are providing for them. Uh, is that the response you've been yeah. getting from people? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it is very much so, you know, and I put out a call for to form a digital army, exactly what you're talking about, you know, strength in numbers, to be able to have rapid response teams that when these scurrilous lies come out, you respond to them quickly, you shoot them down quickly, and importantly, you counterattack the people who put them out. You know, there has to be a cost to playing poker here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Every boxer I've ever seen looks good against a punching bag. <laughs> That's so true. Right? But when the punches start yeah. coming back, most of the boxers don't look so good. You know? That's right. mixing metaphors. There has to be a cost. You know? There has to be a cost, and that cost has to hurt. Um, and, and then you'll start seeing these lies and things back down. Right? I was so heartened by by state senator mcmorrow's response to the lies against her that was cheering stand up and call it what it is that's a lie you're a liar and what happened yeah. they backed off because bullies always do 
you know? And, right. and, and when was the last time you saw a bully go up against two people standing side by side? Well, exactly. And, and Don, I think it almost never happens. It never happens. And one of the reasons Senator McMorrow's uh, video went viral and people responded to the way it did, we're starving. Mm -hmm. We're starving for leadership like that. And I don't know if you, you saw this article, but this her uh, floor speech was just a few days after representatives Eric Swalwell and Hakeem Jeffries, both of whom I have a great deal of respect for, basically were like, no, we're not responding to the the pedophile stuff. I mean, we're, it's, we're not going to go there. Uh, we're going to focus on all the good the Democrats are doing. Oh my God. So basically you're totally cool with letting them call you the worst thing you can call another human being. But listen, why is that a choice? Why can't you do both? Right. Are you that exactly. busy? Why can't, why can't you say, you know, here's all the good stuff we've done. Now let's address this pedophile thing. Those are dirty lies and those people are dirty liars. That's right. And unless you come in and show me some proof of it, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm calling and you out on it. We, we've listened. We, we've allowed QAnon to say that there was a ch child sex trafficking ring in the basement of a restaurant that has no basement. The, the, the lie is a lie literally from the bottom up, literally from the foundation up. Uh, we have to strike back, you know, and, and to get back to the bully point, if two people stand side by side, the bully's not going to attack. What if it's 2,000? What if it's 2 million? Right. What if it's 20 million? And that's, what we, that's what we need to be doing. That's what we need to be organizing for. To say, look, you, it, you cannot control the narrative anymore without us answering back. And that's the lesson, right? In 2016, while there were 700 Republicans running for the uh, presidential nomination, right. actually it was 17, 17. If one of those people yes. had walked across the stage and punched Donald in the face, which he deserved, yeah. just kidding, NSA, no, I'm not. It would have been over. Metaphorically punching in the face. Yes, metaphorically. Exactly. And just yeah. stood toe to toe with him and called him whatever name they needed to call him. It would have been over. We need to learn that lesson. Yeah, I said that. I, that's so funny you said that. Watching those debates, I said that a hundred times watching them. You know, there was a moment in, in one of the Bush-Obama debates, debates um, one of the Obama debates when, you know, he crossed the, the stage and Obama stood there, just stood there, didn't. Oh, bear. wow. I remember that. And was that ended any kind of, you know, attempted bullying, you know, right. uh, but you're, you're yeah. quite right. Uh, but, you know, I, I kept waiting for Romney to do it. I, I you know, I kept waiting for, for Bush to do it. You know, Cruz isn't going to do it, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's no. coward as anybody, but, um, yeah, it was um, it was remarkable, but but we need to do it. We do, and just just a quick aside. Um, I don't know if it's that important necessarily, but I hope someday we'll find out the answer to this question, uh, or the answer to why this why it played out this way. Did it surprise you that the Republican Party, to a person, went along with all of this? not just Donald and his sexual assault and his ignorance and his cruelty, but the big lie and the fact that January 6th isn't a big, big deal. Did that yeah. surprise you at all? Well, it, at what point in time? Do you know what I mean? At, at first it surprised right. me. Yes. It, in it, real time, was, I guess. Yeah, because I thought that there were, that there were still patriots among the Republicans. I, I thought that maybe there was a line that they would not cross, i.e. a violent insurrection that threatened to kill them as well, you know? Um, now, yeah. nothing they do or don't do would surprise me. Uh, that that party has yeah. totally compromised itself. The shame will never wash off of it. I, I said on Twitter, and I mean it still, I will not vote for a Republican for any office for any reason for as long as I live. If Abraham Lincoln came back tomorrow and ran for dog catcher of my town as a Republican, I would not vote. 
Right. The only exception I might make is for Evan McMullen. <laughs> if I lived in Utah. If you lived in Utah, yeah, maybe. But I, you know, listen, that the Republican Party's gone stark raving mad. And, and, and even that's letting them off easily. I, I think that the, yes. the sheer cowardice, the cravenness of those Craven is the word. Is, is such a disgrace. Um, I, I don't know how you pass by a mirror. I really don't. And, and look at it and think of what you've done and what you haven't done. I bet most of them don't have a reflection, but that's just my, <laughs> Maybe my theory. Maybe not. Maybe. But, you know, the Marco Rubios, the Ted Cruz's. Listen, Josh, Josh Hawley, why is he asking questions of a judge and not answering questions to a judge? That's right. You know? That's right. Why, why didn't the Senate throw him out? And, and I'm right there with there you. A bunch of other names, you know. There are 10, at least 10 in the Senate and yeah. hun, uh, over 120 in the, House. in the House. And I, Don, I think what you're getting at is the truth that we all now have to face is that our our system is very, very weak. And it doesn't allow for taking strong action against even the most uh, awful players, right? Um, the Hollies and the Cruises. And it allows one man, being Mitch McConnell, the greatest traitor to this country since Robert E. Lee, to have so much power mm -hmm. uh, that he literally changed the course of where this country is headed with what yes. he did with the federal judiciary and the Supreme Court. Absolutely. But that is why the, the grassroots movement, the groundswell is so important. It is not going to come from the top down. It's not. Right. But enough pressure from the bottom up where some of these people think that they might lose their offices, they might lose their jobs. There, there's enough pressure coming from enough people that and only that is, is when we'll see change in this regard. That's the bad news. The good news is we do have the numbers if the numbers would mobilize. Right. And that's that's what you're doing. Um, I, You have said that this is, you're funding this initiative. Um, and I'm just wondering though, is there a way that people can or let me rephrase, what, is, what are specific ways people can help you uh, and this incredible initiative uh, that you're, you're yeah. running with in order Get to save- Get us up on Twitter, oh, hashtag Winslow Digital Army. And, and you know, as soon as I get off this uh, merry-go-round, we, we will be getting in touch with people, but we want people speaking out on social media. We want to form rapid response teams. We're creating alliances with people from all over you know, the sphere from the entertainment sphere, from the political sphere, from, you know, thank God, just, you know, working people uh, in this country uh, to try to create this, this groundswell. So we'll be in touch, well, be in touch with them. It, it is um, such a brilliant idea. And following your advice um, that we start taking back words and concepts uh, from the Republicans, because they are the most, this Republican party is the most anti-democratic, anti-patriotic, treasonous, traitorous, yes. uh, amoral, um, immoral <laughs> bunch of uh, blaggards I've ever encountered in my life. So what I want to say is thank you for being such a great patriot. Um, it's it's been an honor just getting to know you, even though it's only been on Twitter so far. But uh, we'll, to meet you, to we'll meet to, to see your work and how it's grown and influence, and obviously, if there's anything I can do, I'm, I will meet you uh, at the bottom along with the Republicans. We'll, we'll see you in the alley, Mary. Okay, <laughs> side by side, uh, we're there. We're there. No, and thank Brass you. Knuckles. Brass knuckles, if that's what's necessary, you know, again, we're speaking yep. metaphorically. I would never add to violence, you know, uh, but uh, yeah, listen, you know, I, I do the Twitter, Shane and I do the videos together. My my buddy and partner in crime, Shane Salerno, is brilliant at this with these videos. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're forming this army. So uh, welcome.
All right. Well, Don Winslow, uh, the brilliant writer uh, whose City on Fire just came out on the New York Times bestseller list. It's selling like hotcakes around the world. And uh, it's actually the 22nd book you've written. So there are lots of other great Don Winslow books to, to uh, read and um, two more coming. But setting that aside to do everything you can to help Democrats win the midterms and thereby save the future of America. Don Winslow, thank you for everything you do. Thank you. And thank you very much for having me. And thank you for everything you do and your support. Okay. Stay safe. Yeah, you too. Okay. If you're not listening to the Midas Touch podcast, you really need to be. Three brothers, Ben, Brett, and Jordi Micellis, started a political movement fighting for democracy and released viral videos getting over 2 billion views. And now they host the twice a week Midas Touch podcast. Unapologetically pro-democracy and no BS, the Midas Touch podcast has the top politicians and change makers as guests on their show. The Midas Touch podcast delves deeply in today's most important social and political issues that are ignored by the media. And they deliver the news with sincerity, humor, and of course, brotherly love. See why the Midas Touch podcast on the Midas Media Network is one of the top news podcasts in America and the world. Subscribe now to the Midas Touch podcast. That's M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H, wherever podcasts are available. Mike Pence moves towards a 2024 presidential run. Mike, buddy, you soulless, misogynistic, homophobic creep. I want to make sure you understand what the deal is for you in 2024. Not only because you're a bigoted religious fanatic who oversaw an increase in AIDS cases when you were governor of Indiana, because you substituted your opinion for the conclusions of medical experts and wouldn't allow for a widely successful needle exchange program to be implemented, but also because you're a coward who won't stand up to the people who would have seen you hanged, your family murdered, and the government you think you're going to run destroyed. Monkeypox has a better chance of securing the Republican nomination for president than you do. And you know what? People have more sympathy for the fly that landed on your head during the vice presidential debate than they do for you. Plus, at this point, I think the fly also has better name recognition. Apparently, only 25% of Americans think the country is on the right track. Well, 75% of us would be right. The country is on the wrong track, but we need to know why. Like, these polls are useless. When people read that, they think that's synonymous with saying it's all the Biden administration's fault. We need to understand why people are coming to that conclusion. And if people think it's because of the Biden administration, they need to be educated and understand that it's actually systemic. The reason the country is on the wrong track is because it's being hijacked by a minority of people, all of whom are Republican, who seem to think that their best path to unearned permanent minority power is to take away our rights systematically a woman's right to choose, a woman's right to bodily autonomy, a pregnant person's dis uh, ability to make decisions about that pregnancy. They even want to take, and actually have been wildly successful, in taking the way of our children to go to school without risking being slaughtered by a weapon of war. That, that is why the country is on the wrong track. So, pollsters, would you please do me a favor and get it right next time? Less than two days after the slaughter of 19 10-year-old children and two teachers in a Texas elementary school, improbable, I shouldn't say improbable, actually, it makes perfect sense that Herschel Walker would be the Republican candidate for Senate in Georgia. Anyway, now Senate uh, candidate Herschel Walker was asked about the nation's gun violence problem and what we should do about it. His answer to that question started this way. Cain killed Abel 
And that's a problem that we have. I'm not going to read anymore because it will make your brain hurt. It, the guy is so unfathomably unintelligent. He is a self-confessed wife beater. He's somebody who fantasizes about murdering other people. He's a disgrace. The fact that this is the best the Republicans can come up with in Georgia just tells you how contemptuous they are of their voters and how contemptuous they are of Walker's opponent, Senator Raphael Warnock, who is actually not just a an exemplary human being, he's also a really good senator, and it will be proof of where this country is heading if Walker is able to unseat uh, Senator Warnock, because again, Herschel Walker, I, I think, um, I, I can't think of a word, uh, that's extreme enough to describe just what a worthless piece of garbage he is. I'm sorry if I'm putting too fine a point on it, but there you go. At the beginning of an interview with Sky News reporter, Mark Stone, Ted Cruz said there are 19 cents of parents who are never going to get to kiss their children goodnight. Uh, that's just so you're clear on this. That's Ted Cruz pretending he understands empathy. In response, uh, Stone said, is this the moment for gun reform? And that's kind of where things went off the rails. Uh, Cruz, of course, immediately became defensive and said, you know, uh, it's easy to go into politics. Stone, of course, pushed back because he's not American <laughs> and said, but it's important. It's the heart of the matter. And Cruz followed by saying that's where the media likes to go. Uh, and again, because Stone is not American <laughs> and doesn't give a shit about access journalism, uh, which is one of the most dangerous forms of journalism, if you can even call it that, uh, in this country, he kept pressing. Um, so Cruz said that Democrats in the media inevitably, when some violent psychopath murders people, uh, call for reforms as if somehow objecting to the senseless slaughter of 19 children and two adults, uh, was political. Uh, he basically ran out of the interview, like brave, brave Sir Robin, um, because he doesn't have any answers that make any sense. None of these Republicans do. Ted Cruz knows as well as anybody else that the number of gun deaths, the number of mass murders because of guns in America is absolutely insane and literally off the charts. In the same period of time, America had 101 mass murders from guns, which was more than like every other country on the planet combined. The only reason this is the case is because of our ridiculous gun laws, which make these things inevitable. It is not about mental health. And by the way, even if it were, then maybe Governor Abbott of Texas shouldn't have cut $211 million from mental health spending in his state. But it isn't about mental health. It's not about video games. If it were about video games, then Japan would have more mass murders than any country on the planet. It's only about guns. It's only about the fact that we are the only country in this planet, and I hesitate to call us civilized anymore. We are the only country on this planet who allows 18-year-olds, criminals, people on no-fly lists, people with histories of domestic abuse, people with records of violent crime or allowed access to AR-15s and AK-47s and clips with dozens, if not hundreds of rounds that allow them to slaughter innocent children and adults by the dozens within matters of, of seconds. It's the guns. It's the guns. So Ted Cruz, seriously, I know that this is something evergreen to say, but please go fuck yourself. Uh -huh. 
privacy is more important than ever. So I have to ask, have you ever browsed in incognito mode? The reason I'm asking is because it's probably not as incognito as you think. And why would it be? Chances are the browser you're using has made its fortune by tracking your movements online. And what do these big tech companies say when they're called out for collecting user data? They say incognito does not mean invisible. So how do you actually make yourself as invisible as possible online? You use ExpressVPN like I do. Even in incognito mode, your online activity still gets tracked and data brokers still get to buy and sell your data. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to identify you uniquely and your location. It's terrible, but with ExpressVPN, your connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and your IP address is masked. Every time you connect to ExpressVPN, you get a random IP address shared by many other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it harder for third parties to identify you or harvest your data. Best of all, ExpressVPN is really easy to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop, or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button for instant protection. So if you really want to go incognito and protect your privacy, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN. Visit expressvpn.com slash Mary and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash Mary. Go to expressvpn.com slash Mary to learn more or look for the link in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Mary Trump Show. And thank you to my amazing guest, Don Winslow. Uh, he's got so many great ideas and uh, his his pro-democracy initiative is something everybody needs to pay attention to. Uh, so that's it for tonight. Please come back next Tuesday uh, for the Mary Trump Show strategy sessions, which are at youtube.com slash Politicon at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And our Thursday show, also at youtube.com slash Politicon, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Follow Politicon on YouTube. Please like the episode and don't forget to click on the bell because that way you will be sure to be notified every time a new episode drops. You can also listen to the show on Apple or anywhere you get your podcasts and give the show a five-star review because it really does help people find the show. Uh, again, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you guys. Uh, in the meantime, please stay safe and be kind.